Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by MyBookie. Go bet with MyBookie. Sign up at MyBookie.ag and use promo code Gators. And they will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Bet with my bookie. Gators Breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. And joining me on this Monday, kind of Tuesday episode, whichever day you listen to it, we record it live right here on Monday night. But joining me for this episode, as he does every week for this episode, is Will Miles. You can find him on Twitter at WillMilesSCC and his site, readandreaction.com. Will, I keep saying uh, this in regards to the Mississippi State game. It may have been a score of only 13 to 6, but it was a fun 13 to 6 victory. It felt like every play meant something. Oh, man. You know, anytime there's a win on the road in the SEC, it's a big deal. I will say that based on my predictive powers this year, people probably should go to my bookie and, and bet against me. But, <laughs> the, and believe me, the Gator fans have been quick to, to remind me of that on Twitter. But uh, I've appreciated the good natured ribbing and some of the not so good natured ribbing. But uh, like I said, anytime you can go on the road, win in the SEC, it's a good win. And, and certainly all the emotions surrounding this one, I think, uh, means no matter what the score, as long as you come out of Starkville with a win, it's a big deal. Yeah, it's kind of funny. We we actually didn't really talk all that much during this game, and uh, I was uh, I was I stood up for most of the game, even in, even in my living room. Uh, I was hyped, ready to go, fist pumping. Um, and it was just, uh, it, I mean, like I said, it was only thirteen to six, but it was uh, it was still a it was still a fun thirteen to six. Well, all I know is in in the off season, after all the crap I got for writing that Kadarius Tony could throw the ball, I feel <laughs> like I have been vindicated. I mean, granted, the guy was open and all that sort of stuff, but I had people telling me he couldn't throw it downfield, that he wasn't accurate, all sorts of stuff. And what does he do? Put it right on his hands. The one chance he gets, and uh, we've seen that you know, twice in his career so far, right? Yeah, he's two for three, man. <laughs> <laughs> he's an explosive quarterback. But um, no, it was, it was good to see the creativity. It was good to see. I mean, obviously, it felt like. One of the teams is going to have to make a play. Mississippi State had their shot, and it bounced right off the receiver's hands. And Florida had their shot, and they ran it perfectly. I mean, you know, Franks delivered it right to Tony perfectly, and Tony delivered it right to Moral Stevens perfectly. And, you know, when you're on the road, you're going to have to execute when you get those shots. And Florida was able to execute, and Mississippi State was not. And some of that is because of Mississippi State, but a lot of that was because of the Florida defense. 
Yeah, like I, I said in yesterday's show, and, and going back and on Twitter and looking at the game and all that, you know, I, I just really felt, and we, we kind of talked about it going into this episode here, that uh, the offense, I just, I, the way the game was flowing, you know, only only three possessions in the first half, uh, and you know, just didn't, um, it didn't feel like you were going to have many chances once you got in in, in that scenario. So the creative play calling, you know, gets the only touchdown in the game, and uh, that, that kind of that's still that's still little did we know. Uh, it, not much would happen after that, but uh, uh, it was a, g- a good call and way to get a touchdown on the board. Uh, and we'll break down a little bit here more uh, with Will. He did his uh, film review. His article is up on readreaction.com. And uh, we'll talk uh, a little bit about this LSU game coming up as well. But before we do, remember you can find Gators Breakdown on news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. You'll find Gators Breakdown episodes as well as articles from the News 4 Jack sports team. That's news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. Listen on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube as well if you want the video version. Uh, when using those services, please share, rate, and review the show. And on social media, Twitter and Facebook, find us at Gators Breakdown. Will, I started, uh, or, or you started you know, kind of with the defense in, in your recap, uh, in your review article i kind of led with them as well in the recap show just because hey look uh it was you you held mississippi state to to six points and granted it didn't matter what happened to to kentucky and all that yes is the offense for mississippi state as good as what we thought maybe coming into the season uh no could that be an effect of mullen leaving you know uh, maybe maybe so Uh, i think it has something to do with it of course uh and you made some points that it wasn't so much the um the adjustments made at halftime for this defense uh but the, you know the improvement of just the execution uh in the game plan yeah well i actually listened to mullen's uh post game press conference after i'd written my article he sort of he sort of hinted at the same thing which was you know, if you looked at the defensive alignment if you looked at what the defense was doing they didn't really change what they were doing when they came out in the half. And I mean, in the first half, they were really having trouble stopping the run. They were having trouble, you know, Fitzgerald was, was really kind of having his way. I mean, they were averaging 5.1 yards overall, um, you know, 7.2 through the air and 4.3 uh, um, on the ground, but it was, they averaged a yard, <laughs> a yard of play on the ground in the, uh, in the second half and 1.9 through the air. So I mean, Fitzgerald wasn't effective through the, through the air or on the ground. And it was because you could see that they were being more physical. They were taking on blocks and being aggressive. And to be honest, you could also see that the coaches were taking out guys who didn't do that. So there were a couple of plays where I saw, um, you know, a linebacker wasn't very aggressive and he wasn't out there the next play. And they've, they very clearly have, have, I think they freed these guys up to make mistakes, but when they make a mistake that's effort-based, then there is enough depth to bring in backups and, and give them an opportunity. So yeah, there was a screen that I diagrammed where in the first half, the linebacker and the, and the corner were a little bit passive. And so it went for 10 yards in the second half, the linebacker drove his man, the tight end right back into, or drove him into the backfield, which forced it a little bit wide. And then Chauncey Gardner Johnson just drove his guy right into the right into the running back and knocked him down. Same thing in the running game. The defensive line was getting, especially at defensive tackle, was getting pushed back two or three yards in the first half. Um, once it came, you know, the second half, to Daryl Slayton in particular, was starting to bust into the backfield and get some penetration. And that just really screwed up everything that Mississippi State was trying to do. I mean, anytime you hold a quarterback to 3.8 yards per throw mm-hmm. over an entire game, um, 
it's impressive, but particularly in this case, since he averaged 7.2 in the first half <laughs> to hold him to 3.8 means he basically did nothing in the second half. And, you know, my biggest concern for Florida coming in, I mean, that Terry Wilson for Kentucky really ran roughshod over him. And so I kind of assumed they were going to have some similar problems with Fitzgerald. They had a little bit of that in the first half, but there wasn't anything big that got ripped off. But he wound up with 32 yards rushing for the entire game on 20 carries. And, you know, that's Mississippi State needs him to get to 80, 90, 100 yards in order to both open up the passing game and also just really for their offense because he's not a throwing quarterback. Florida really took advantage of that. And we want to go back to that last drive of the game, too, for this defense. You know, being mentally tough on that last drive, they had some penalties. That really that really helped more Mississippi State more than anything. And it was a lot of aggressive penalties uh, as well. You know, uh, CeCe Jefferson with the, the ill-timed face mask, but he, he was there pressuring uh, Fitzgerald, you know, if not for the face mask, he basically had a sack and uh, Mississippi State's behind the chains trying to get something going there. Uh, they eventually drive into Florida territory because of those penalties and the defense held strong. And, uh, you know, what a heck of a play uh, on that, that that last defensive call, basically an all-out blitz. Donovan Steiner goes in there and gets, gets the sack. Uh, luckily, this isn't the NFL or he probably wouldn't be able to play football again. Uh, so it's uh, – but luckily, you know, I mean, just – Good call by by Grantham, and you know I think really just taking advantage of knowing how Fitzgerald would react in that situation. Yeah, well, I mean this is definitely that kind of defense is predicated based on based on what you think about your corners one on one. And it's based on what you think about the quarterback that you're facing. And it was clear Fitzgerald was looking to the left, did not readjust because he did have a guy who looked like he was coming open down the middle. Um, but again, does the quarterback have the ability to, to make those adjustments? You know, that's something that Grantham's going to be going to be seeing on the side um, and really sort of betting on. I mean, if you try that against somebody like Drew Locke, you might get you might get killed for it, but you try it against Nick Fitzgerald, you'll be okay. You know, the other thing is you mentioned the <laughs> potential tackle for for. Uh, <laughs> for the safety there Steiner but you know Trey Dean went out really early in the first half mm-hmm. um I'm glad you, you know, said that because people corrected me yesterday I, I said the wrong name I said Edwards got ejected but I just mixed up names there <laughs> so you know Trey Dean goes out he's your he's your backup starting cornerback right so he's the guy who's starting because Marco Wilson's out so now you're down three corners or you're down you know you're down to your fourth string corner at that point I'll tell you what CJ McWilliams and Sean Davis mm-hmm. look really good in that defensive backfield um you know, again, that's one of the places where Florida's really recruited pretty strong in terms of star ratings over the last few years, and it hasn't really translated um, at least last year and up until the Kentucky game this year. But those guys really stepped up, and then you got Voshan Joseph. I saw Pro Football Focus ranked him over eighty on their rating again today. He was over eighty last week. He has been just a revelation since they've moved him to playing more coverage, particularly on tight ends. Tight ends are not are not hurting Florida at all right now with Joseph on the field. And the Polite and Zaniga played very, very well up front, being able to get to Fitzgerald. I mean, you know, Fitzgerald is a, he's not a explosive running quarterback, but he's a running quarterback. And they were able to keep contain while also making him pay for being in the backfield. Um, some of that too needs to, there were six sacks, eight tackles for loss. Some of that needs to go, some of the credit needs to go to Grantham. He had some really creative blitzes where he'd br- where he'd only bring four guys but they'd all come from one side and so half of mississippi state's offensive mm-hmm. line wouldn't be blocking anybody and the other half would be completely overloaded and they were able to get to fitzgerald before he really had an opportunity to run so um and then the other thing i should mention is that voshan joseph a lot of the time was spying fitzgerald 
and he's fast enough to do that and was able to make, was able to be disciplined enough to where, you know, Fitzgerald might get a five or six yard run, but it never turned into 20, 22, 25, 30 or anything like that. In fact, I think the longest play Florida gave up was 17 yards. And, you know, th- that's just a really, really impressive defensive performance. Yeah. Well, going back and looking at, you know, kind of coming into the season and, we were looking at that that pass rush edge rush position, and you know, it was of course you know being a five star recruit, it was CC Jefferson who was kind of pointed to as being that 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 guy that that Grantham would, would put in that position to go get the quarterback. And it's really you know a lot of people have labeled Jacopolite as maybe that breakout star that would come around this year, and pretty much he he he's been the breakout, and he's also been one of the best there. Four sacks so far this year. He's been that guy that's been fitting fitting in that Jarvis Jones type of role uh, that you've seen Tom Grantham going back in Georgia. That, that's his big time star uh, player. That when you think of Todd Grantham and Jacopolite, has really kind of just fit that mold. He was wreaking havoc all in that second half uh, against Mississippi State. As I mentioned, four sacks on the year, and then a couple more players who this defense has just really helped transform. I think. Zon Joseph, as you mentioned, he started a little bit slow this year, but in, in his last couple of games has really come on. His speed is really, really instrumental in this defense. And also Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, go back and look at last year, and what we were talking about with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson last year is missing tackles left and right. He was playing out of position, not really a position made for him, but now this was one that can move him around. He gets into the backfield. He busts screen plays up when, when they come to his side. You know, Those are three players, polite, Gardner Johnson and Joseph, where this defense, this attacking style defense, is really, I think, just fit their style of play. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, you talk about CC Jefferson. I think there's, it's not a coincidence that he comes back and all of a sudden, Polite and Zuniga look like different players. <laughs> Good point. I, I think people have to account for CC Jefferson, and I think you can sort of say the same thing for Voshan Joseph, though. I mean, he did look really, really good against Colorado State before David Reese came back, but I do think having Reese there in the center or having him. Um, as as his as his running mate there at linebacker does make a difference. They do very very different things, right? Reese is much more of the run stopper. Joseph is much more of the guy who can sort of roam and use his speed, um, and and not necessarily be the guy who has to be the enforcer. And I think that makes a difference to have to have sort of that that yin, yin and yang between the two of them. So I think a lot of the defensive success we're seeing probably has to do with those guys coming back. Um, but certainly these guys have to be in the right spot. They have to do their job and they have to utilize their skills. Um, I've been really impressed with the way Grantham has has deployed them. I mean, I think he's made some adjustments after the first couple of games. And then I, I, I'd have to say that, you know, I think it was an excellent job by the staff to not make adjustments going into the second half and just basically challenge the team to be tougher. And all of a sudden they were tougher up front. They were holding the front a lot better and they were, they were being more aggressive and, and that made a huge difference in, in the second half. And I think on the offensive side of the ball as well, I mean, they, you could tell they were more aggressive in that second half. Um, you know, we already talked about the throw by uh, throw by Tony, but you know, there was the deep throw that uh, the Franks threw. Certainly there was a holding call, but they were going for it, um, those sorts of things. So um, really an increase in aggression in the second half. And and that really, I think, um, comes from Gardner Johnson. I think he's the guy who really sets the tone. Uh-huh. He's the guy who, um, you know, when he's out there yapping and he's, and, and he's bringing <laughs> the energy, that's the defense feeds off of that. And, you know, hey, I... I can't say anything anything more about the defense. I thought they were lights out. I thought they were spectacular. Um, you know, certainly there will probably be better offenses than the one at Mississippi State that they play. But anytime you play on the road in the SEC and you completely shut down the opposition, you have to tip your hat to the defense. They played great. 
And we will go to the other side of the ball here. And, of course, uh, there, there's a couple of throws Felipe Franks would like to have back. But for the second week in a row, went into a hostile environment, played composed, hit some big throws, you know, across the middle, uh, converted some third downs. He played within the offense, offensive game plan, I think, uh, and just, you know, continues to take steps in, in Dan Mullen's offense. And Mullen said uh, today in his press conference, uh, quote, I think one of the areas he's grown the most is understanding the game plan from week to week because it changes. Uh, even running the same play, we might run it a little bit differently from one week to the next. And I think he has grown in starting to understand that this is how we want to run this play against this look. And this is where we're going. Uh, and this is uh, where we're going on. Uh, they're playing uh, how, how they're playing us. So uh, he's worked and understood that what what the game plan is, what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish. And, uh, you know, part of the game plan, Will, in this game was to, to get the ball out of Frank's hands and going against that Mississippi State defensive front, that defensive line. Uh, while he, you know, went 22 or 31, I went back and, and charted the throws that we would, you know, label screen passes, swing passes, you know, throws that were near the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage, 14 attempts there. Uh, so out of his, you know, uh, 31 uh, attempts, 14 attempts were those made in those scenarios uh, and Frank's hit 12 of them. So 12 out of those 14, uh, you know, short throws that he hit. And that's not counting the, the, the throw to Tony uh, that Tony threw for a touchdown. So you know, the game plan w w was pretty, you know, explanatory. Just don't let that Mississippi state defensive line go back there and feast on this offensive line of Felipe Franks. It was to get the ball out of his hands. Yeah. I'd say there were two things for Franks that impressed me in this game. One was, um, after the interception that he threw, he came back and kept firing. That was something that last year against Texas A&M in particular, I remember he threw an interception and then sort of got spooked a little bit and wouldn't still throw the ball um, in tight spaces. That wasn't something that we saw yesterday. Clearly, Mullins had an effect on him and is basically like, look, I'm not pulling you out of the game unless you do something like get a stupid unsportsmanlike <laughs> conduct penalty or something like that. You know, he completed the ball to 12 different receivers. Obviously, um, you know, some of those guys, you know, Kroll and, and, and some of the other guys that he got it to were in the same position maybe as a tight end would be. So it wasn't like he was just completely slinging it all over the field, but Hey, 12 receivers, are 12 receivers. I mean, that's, that's impressive as well. And then, and then the last thing I think that was pretty impressive was there were a few times where his, where his offensive line put him behind the ball with penalties. Um, in fact, the first drive of the game, I'm remembering um, they had a false start to open up the game and, and then he was able to complete a 16 or 17 yard pass right after that to get a first down. And he was doing that on the run. There were a couple of times when he threw the ball out of bounds when he needed to. So that was good. Didn't see him running out of bounds unless he had gained a few yards. Um, you know, all those things that last year we would have yelled at him for <laughs> those types of things are gone. I, you know, he wasn't a dynamic player against Mississippi state. He was a game manager very clearly. Uh, that doesn't mean that he played poorly. I, I don't think it was his best performance of the year. I think his best performance of the year was the game last week against Tennessee. Um, but certainly the turnovers and all that sort of stuff, I think sort of um, masked how efficient he was and how good he was in that game. Um, I think this one, he was a little bit more pedestrian, and I think the defense sort of carried the day. Anytime you only score 13 points, even with a limited number of possessions, it does mean that, that it's more of a game management uh, game management role for the quarterback than it is a dynamic role. That's what we saw, but hey, we didn't see that at all last year. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it's it's another step in the right direction. He, he was making decisions quickly. Um, you know, like you said, the game plan was to get the ball out quick. Um, I, I think there's probably still a couple of steps he needs to take to really be the guy who's going to be able to win them a game. Um, 
but but he's certainly getting towards that. And if he does take one or two steps forward to where he can win a game for the team, watch out because the defense is getting good enough at this point that I think you can start to say that if if the quarterback position really keeps progressing throughout the year, that they're going to be a dangerous team come November. Yeah, you know, Mississippi State for whatever reason really wasn't able to to adjust and you know either go go man coverage, go press those receivers. I uh, didn't see a whole lot of it. There were so many you know those screen wide receiver screens open just because Florida had numbers and the DBs were playing off the receivers there. And um, uh, it and you're right in the way of that same game plan is not going to work every week. I'm not even sure if it worked this week because these LSU defensive backs they can get back there. They're fast enough. They're physical enough. Uh, they'll test these Florida receivers. They'll get up in their face, and so yeah, I don't. You won't be seeing new, you know, screen pass after screen pass after screen pass. I don't think versus LSU. Yeah, I mean, it, it almost looked like Mississippi State was daring Florida to to drive eighty yards on eighteen plays. Yeah, and hey, if Franks can go eighteen plays without screwing up, then you know we're going to tip our hat and say good job. Right. I mean, they, they were not going to let Florida beat them deep on an explosive play. In fact, for the entire game, Florida only had three. So there was a 22 yard run for P Ryan on a, on, on sort of that weird option play. Um, there was the 20 yard pass to Stevens from Tony. And then there was a 20 yard pass to Hammond in the fourth quarter that sort of flipped the field and, and gave Florida a good field position. And they were able to sort of pin Mississippi state back there for most of the second half. Um, you know, other than that, there really wasn't anything. So clearly Mississippi State's game plan was keep Florida in front of us. We don't think they're going to be able to drive down the length of the field the entire game. And for the most part, they were true. I mean, that was true. You know, Florida kept having penalties that would cause them to punt. You know, no three and outs. So the offense was functional. Way, I mean, that's the thing. They scored 13 points, but the offense seemed way better than last year <laughs> because it wasn't just three incompletions and a punt right. or, or, you know, <laughs> or two incompletions and then run it on third and 10. Like there wasn't anything stupid like that. The play or, calling seemed to or, make sense. Or, or the famous third and 12 play action. Uh, you know, you got to be in third and 12 to have a third and 12 play action. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember them being in third and 12. So, <laughs> so again, I think it was a much more efficient performance by the Florida offense, but you can see ways other teams might exploit it. Because mm -hmm. if you get a team that has a little bit more offensive explosion and they can do the same thing, you know, Franks is going to have to prove that you got it, that, that, uh, or they're going to have to run them out of it. One of the two, yeah. right. You're either going to have to run the ball to, to force them to come up, or you're going to have to, uh, to throw, to throw deep and max protect things like that. So, um, I, again, anytime you win in the sec, it's a big deal. Um, I feel, I still think there are some steps that Franks has to take to truly be considered more than a game manager. I think, um, you know, there are times where he's probably going to look fantastic and there are times that he's not. I mean, that's part of having a sophomore quarterback, right? Is you're going to get some in inconsistencies. I've been impressed by the way he's played thus far again on the road with his composure, um, especially after the interception. Um, but you know, there was the one that went right through the linebackers hands. It could have been a pretty easy pick yeah. six too. So there are still things to improve on. And I don't think anybody expected him to be perfect at this point. Um, but, uh, I'll, I'll be interested to see how LSU decides to attack Florida, uh, based on what they see from the Mississippi state game. And then also based on what they see from the Kentucky game. Yeah. And all in all, Will, in the, just, you know, Montez Sweat, Jeffrey Simmons, they didn't have a, they didn't have a tackle, a tackle for a loss in this game. Uh, and you know, part of that is getting the ball out of Felipe Frank's hands, but also, also that goes into the running game itself too. And you know, as we said, Florida doesn't really do uh, the penalties hurt them, but as far as plays go, there's not a lot of negative plays. There's not a lot of taking tackles for losses here. You know, the, the running backs 
are, are getting upfield. They're, they're getting some yardage, you know, mainly P Ryan and, and, and Pierce in that situation. And they, they, those guys seem to always be moving forward. You saw some option plays to get some of the runs outside. Uh, we hadn't seen, we hadn't seen hardly any of that this year. Frank's, you know, testing the edge uh, in some option plays and, and the one P Ryan you mentioned, uh, you know, almost broke that one along the sideline. That would have been a, a the long run for a touchdown, but you know, being able just to, to neutralize that defensive line in a myriad of ways is something I, I really like with it, with this game plan. As you mentioned, it put up a lot of points, but it also didn't put him in a whole lot of bad situations. No, well, I mean, you know, I was just joking about not being in third and 12. I, I really don't remember a situation where they were in third and 12. Even when they were in first and 15, they managed to get to second and seven and then third and five. And then it was at least a manageable third down situation. I also think we have to give credit to the offensive line. I mean, that's a place where people have, have consistently criticized Florida over the last few years, and really rightfully so. But those guys have started to coalesce. I mean, John Hevesy is known for being a good offensive line coach and, and, it's showing at this point. I mean, anytime you've got Simmons, they started running right at Simmons in the second half. In fact, the announcers pointed it out that they went right after him and, and in some capacity, maybe even surprised him a little bit <laughs> by going right at him. Um, but, you know, you, you, you got to have some confidence in your offensive line to call that play. Otherwise, it's second and 12. And, you know, there were not. So there were three tackles for loss the entire night. Um you know, only one sack, three quarterback hurries. So at the end of the day, Franks wasn't harassed very much and the running backs weren't getting hit back behind the line of scrimmage. And every time you do that, even if you're not running the ball, even if, even if you're not running the ball perfectly, you're still second and seven, second and six, third and three. And that was sort of, I think that's why it felt like the offense was so much more efficient, even though there weren't a whole lot of points being put up that and the fact that each team traded like eight minute drives in the first half. So <laughs> Yeah, that was one of the fastest first halves I can ever remember. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I looked up and it was like two minutes into the second quarter. I'm like, really? Yeah. It feels like there should be like eight minutes left in the in the, in the first quarter. But yeah, right. it's it's just offsetting for that third quarter against Tennessee the other day. It felt like it yeah. took like six hours. Yeah. Oh, also, you know, Gators four and one right now uh, with LSU coming to town, and you know, looking at this season. Uh, as a whole right now, you know, it's not going quite as expected, but it is kind of going quite as expected. If you look at the record, four and one, uh, many expected the win to be against Kentucky and not against uh, Mississippi State. You flip those. And, you know, we, and we kind of talked about going into the season. There's ups and downs with a new coach, and we've seen the ups and we've seen the downs. And, uh, you know, going back and looking at this win over Mississippi State, I know, and I tweeted this out. I think it's the biggest win since capturing the SEC East against LSU in 2016 with that with that goal line stand. You know, this that was that's the last time I can remember kind of feeling this way uh, as a Gator fan watching that game. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a really quality win. It's one of those things that sort of, I think, especially because it's Mullen's old team, mm. really sort of announces that Mullen is is you know who we think he is that he that he's the right guy for the job and and i think that more than anything is is what you come out of there feeling good about you know that if if you go into starkville and get beat by 20 points then you're still sort of questioning well you know was it really mullen at mississippi state or or you know was it just the players that they brought in and the staff and and that sort of stuff or is morehead even going to take that further and i mean the last two weeks morehead's offense um i think they would have taken dan mullen yeah. <laughs> the, la the last couple of games they might hey, go read their message boards they absolutely would have <laughs> <laughs> so as much as that guy wearing the dan who t-shirt who got on espn would like us to yeah. think otherwise i i think they'll take him back and you know there's reason for that i mean he has done very very well and and his on-field his on-field performance i don't think has ever been in doubt at least not not with us i mean you know, it's been one of those things where 
games where he's got more talent. He wins like 85% of the time. Most people win like three quarters. And then even games against more talented teams, he, he wins at a much higher clip than, than other people do too. So he's, he's a very good coach. I'm a little bit surprised at the defensive performance right now. I mean, I just, you know, with as much as the team struggled last year, that has been to me, the most surprising thing is that the offense has improved significantly, but the defense has as well. I didn't really expect both of those things to happen. And, and since they have Florida has been successful and that's why they're winning the games and why they're winning on the road. Cause really, if, if you don't believe in the defense, then that's when you, that's why you would pick, um, that's why you would pick against them on the road games. That's why I've picked against them in the road games. And and now I just have to keep picking against them because apparently I'm jinxing. So <laughs> that's a positive thing. You know, we mentioned the word success, you know, a part of taking that step and you, we sit here and say the offense is taking a step. The defense is taking a step. Uh, well, I won't forget special teams either. You know, McPherson Townsend, um, they, they got it going right now too. We've seen some big plays in special teams, you know, and we have seen improvement on this team and, you know, part of taking that next step of, of being a contender, you know, we'll, we'll get it. We'll, we'll get a big test this week and to see how much of a contender Florida can be. But part of that is being able to string together victories and, and handling the, the success uh, the Gators will they'll start to get some positive mention this week uh, around national media and, and media, uh, and they're back home. They're going to hear all the good stuff uh, being around with with a home game coming up, and this is the chance to to grow in handling success and handling success with all that emotion uh, that that comes in playing a, a big game versus LSU. Uh, and, and regardless of what happens uh, versus LSU, I, I still think this team is headed in the right direction overall. There'll be bumps in the road until you know Mullen gets his players in the program. Uh, but there are steps being taken. There's reason to point to, to positive progression so far and, and being able to see that there will also be more. Absolutely. I mean, you're getting contributions from true freshmen, which is something that, especially in transition classes, is usually relatively rare um, and and significant contributions from true freshmen. So, you know, Trey Dean, Amari Bernie was out there, um, Kroll. Um, Pitts was, was out there at tight end and caught a ball as well. So they're getting some contribution. Closer Pierce. (laughs) Pierce. There you go, man. Your boy Pierce. (laughs) You're getting all, you're getting contributions from freshmen, which, you know, that level of contribution is, is a little bit unusual for, like I said, for a transition class when you're, especially with a team like Florida that has as much, um, as many players coming back this year as they did. I mean, I think it was more than anybody in the SEC East. Um, one thing I would say is that they have been incredibly healthy. Um, pretty much throughout. I mean, the only injury I can really, the only injury really is the one to Marco Wilson. And while that's horrible that it's a season ending injury and all that sort of, all that sort of stuff. I mean, the injuries have been relatively few and far between this year. How the heck did you know that's where I was going next? <laughs> well, it's, it's not going to, it's not going <laughs> to continue because it's the SEC and people get injured and that's going to be the challenge for Florida moving forward. I think is going to be, you know, are those injuries going to, if they start to mount up, do they have the depth? Because as of right now, you know, we already mentioned Reese coming back and CC Jefferson coming back. Well, you know, if one of those key guys goes down, how do they compensate? Now, at this point, the true freshmen have gotten enough time that they may be able to compensate. And, mm-hmm. and you know, the growth that those guys have shown and the development those guys have shown, you know, maybe they, maybe some of the younger guys can step right in and they won't miss a beat. But I mean, that to me is probably the area where I'd be most concerned moving forward would be the depth of the team. Like you said, regardless of what happens with LSU, I mean, LSU and Georgia are really good teams. They got coming up on the schedule. Um, You know, I think they'll play them much better than I would have thought before the year. Um, But, but we'll see whether, um, you know, irrespective of the result of those games, um, I think 
how they play against some of the other teams on the schedule is really going to dictate whether the season is considered a success. Yeah, you know, we could we throw up the injuries here, and I think uh, two things go into uh, I think as maybe an, a, a testament to to Nick Savage so far as the injuries there, and maybe you know the mindset and the buy in of the team. You know, there, there's a lot of having fun on the sideline. We see him, you know, a lot of teams do this, but it's different for Florida because it seems so stoic. Uh, in, in years past, but you see him uh, having fun on the sideline. You see him swaying back and forth on kickoffs, and Nick Savage is there along with him and uh, and kind of getting them hyped up there. You know, and it's kind of the the little thing I guess yeah, that you can notice. Uh, for me, the, the, a big thing and a little thing. It's the big thing. Look at the injuries so far uh, right now, but also the little things of uh, he's kind of there, let the kids have fun on the sideline. Yeah, well, I mean, there, there's definitely a different energy with the program this year. I mean, there's no doubt. You know, we had Mullen sort of doing that little dance with Franks in the opener, <laughs> and and you know that that some of the guys. I mean, I I think I saw that Trask was one of the guys who poured the Gatorade on him. Um, you know, after the win at Mississippi State, and you sit there and think, okay, this is the guy who didn't win the quarterback battle, who who appreciates his coach enough that he's willing to go go do that with the Gatorade. So, I. Again, I think there's a there's an attitude and appreciation maybe for the way things are being run versus the way they were being run before, an appreciation for the hard work that they put in during the off season because I'm sure they're starting to see some of those results, um, and and the buy-in to the idea that that uh, you know really doing your job is is more than just is is more than just you know, going all out. It's also making sure that you're being disciplined. It's making sure that you're eating the right thing. It's making sure you're working out all those sorts of things that are eventually going to turn the program around. So, um, you know, yeah, I think the injuries are a testament to Savage. I think they're also um, luck-based in some capacity. And, you know, you just really sort of need to, uh, you know, you really just sort of need to figure out, um, you, you got to hope that that continues and then you're going to have to have some young guys step up. Absolutely, absolutely. So we got some good talk uh, here coming up. 2018, uh, the 2008 national championship team being recognized, and also Tim Tebow, and also a little quick preview of the Florida LSU Goodwill's uh, kind of preliminary thoughts about that game. But uh, before we get there, you know, sure, watching football is fun, but it's more entertaining when you have some action on the game. So, guys, you've heard me talking about this for weeks, and some of you are still on the sidelines, whether you're an expert, expert or rookie. You should be betting at my bookie. And if you're the kind of guy or girl out there that likes to bet and win a lot, like playing the numbers on roulette, you can create a big parlay. Pick three teams to win, and if you hit all three, you'll turn $100 into $600. And it's not just football. You can bet on all major sports. Go bet on MMA this weekend. Conor McGregor steps back into the Octagon Saturday for his first fight. First UFC fight in two years, and you can bet on things like whether he'll win straight up or whether Khabib will deliver a first-round knockout. I recommend my bookie because I really trust him. I use them, my friends use them, and this is one bet I know you'll be happy with all season. My bookie has been in the business for years. They've got great online reviews, and their mobile site is easy to use. If you're on the sidelines, now's the time to get in the game. My bookie will still match your first deposit dollar for dollar. But you got to join now because they'll be pulling that offer pretty soon. So log into my bookie right now and double your money. Use promo code Gators and you'll get your first deposit matched 100%. That's promo code Gators, my bookie. You play, you win, you get paid. And Will, it is going to be an exciting weekend in the swamp, not only because uh, LSU coming in to town here, but the 2008 team will be honored for, uh, at the game. 
uh, versus LSU, as well as Tebow being inducted into the Ring of Honor. You know, it was the LSU game in, in 2008, I think, that really sparked the, that season when the defending uh, national champion Tigers rolled in uh, to Gainesville and got blasted 51-21 uh, a couple weeks after Florida lost to Ole Miss, after a couple weeks after we got the promised speech. There was an Arkansas game in between there, but it was that LSU game in 2008 that, that kind of just lit, lit that team on. And, and, you know, taking a look back at it, Will, and from that point on, the Gators were more of the more dominant teams in college football history, culminating, culminating in a national championship that year. Yeah, well, I mean, we talked about this during our season previews where the yeah. LSU game is always sort of the fulcrum, right? That if that if Florida comes in and is able to pull off a win in the L LSU game, then it typically means that they're going to be an elite squad. And if they lose to LSU, then it usually means it's going to be, you know, a good to below average season. And and we've seen that the last few years. So Muschamp's 2012 team just sort of ran roughshod over LSU. I mean, I think I'm not even sure they threw the ball. They just gave it to Gillisley the entire time. <laughs> and, and you know, we're able to win one of those games, kind of like the Mississippi State game the other day. I think it was like 16 to 10 or something like that. Um you know, the, the other the other year where Appleby hit the long pass to Tyree Cleveland, you know, that really propelled Florida into the into the SEC championship. And, you know, obviously that didn't turn out the way we wanted. But still, I mean, you know, it, it that game especially really sort of is the fulcrum where the season either rises or falls. And, and it's always an important important game. And certainly in 2008, it was an important game. So, um, and one of those things where I think, I think we knew how good Percy Harvin is. <laughs> I, I think after that game, everybody else knew exactly how good Percy Harvin is. I mean, you know, we had, we'd had him in 2006, but um, you know, it, it, uh, that's, that's the play. I remember the, the ball that was tipped up yeah. and, and him taking it to the house. Absolutely. And uh, you, you go, you go back and look, you know, we'll look at the 2008 uh, season just for a second here before we dive into uh, a little more LSU talk, but you know, you, they, they lost Percy Harvin against Florida state. I mean, he hurt his ankle uh, there um, in, that, in, in that rainy mess of a game uh, still, you know, went and beat an undefeated Saban led Alabama team uh, without Percy Harvin and then go on to beat Oklahoma uh, with a, you know, probably 80, percent Percy Harvin who still looked like you know he was still the, one of the best players if not the best player on the field in that game uh you know against the Oklahoma team that supposedly couldn't be stopped you know that, that 2008 team you know going back and looking at it the, we, we, we did our kind of uh see we did our Florida Gator favorites you know in the preseason that uh, people can go back and, and listen to that you know that that team and you know the LSU game was brought up a whole lot but uh it's just just it, it, everything it took for that team to to, to win a lot of it was off the field. I mentioned the, the promise speech, and we go back and you, you see the video of Tim Tebow in the in the locker room at halftime of the national championship game, and and Will and that team, and making sure they weren't going to lose that game. Uh, th there was just a, a lot of things around that team, on the field, off the field, uh, that you could see that that was needed to get the job done. Yeah, man. I you know the promise speech is great, and and certainly I think it gives everybody chills. But I mean, the reason Florida won the national championship that year is because every player on the field, I think, wound up playing in the NFL. <laughs> I mean, every guy on that on that field played at least every guy who was a starter, I think, played at least a game in the NFL, and a lot of them played a lot of games in the NFL. Some of them are still in the NFL. The penalties are in the NFL, and 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 you know. Um, Hernandez at tight end, Tebow, Tebow quarterback. You got Hayden who was over there the other day. You got, you got Janoris Jenkins. You got Major Wright. I mean, just you know, you go down the list and it's just like, wow, that was a murderer's row of uh, 
of, of players there who were, who were going out to play in that team. I mean, you know, the 2006 team, I think, had some flaws, but was able to win the national championship. The 2008 team is one of those where you look at it and go, who else in college football just picked the year would have beaten that team at its, at its absolute peak? Right. And, you know, if, if anything, I think Old Miss should probably be proud of that one, <laughs> being able to pull the game out just because, I mean, I, after that game, they smoked everybody. And it was a fun year. And certainly, um, I remember where I was during the uh, during the missed extra point in the Old Miss game. I remember where I was during the LSU game and, and certainly all the way through that year. So it was a fun year. And I'm looking forward to, to seeing how they celebrate it this weekend. Yeah, it should be fun. And as I said, Tebow getting inducted into the Ring of Honor. Uh, SEC Nation will be in Gainesville this weekend too, so be a fun time. A fun time when LSU rolls in here. Uh, will you know top? You know top five, top six LSU team coming into town here. Uh, your boy Joe Burrow will be loading, <laughs> leading them in here. <laughs> so uh, yeah, th- th- this game uh, it, it will it will it will it will be brought up to us a lot because of all the Joe Burrow talking. You know, good, bad. However, it is, you know, there was a, there was a, what, a good, what, two, three weeks there where uh, we were wondering if Florida would be interested in Joe Burrow. He ends up at LSU. So that, that tiny storyline will be there uh, for, for people who really, really are, are diehards and, and Gator, Gator football fans. Uh, it won't be too much of a national story, I don't think. But if you follow, follow Florida Gator football, that was a, a big storyline over the summer uh, and where Joe, and Joe Burrow would go. And you go back to last year and Dan Mullen at Mississippi State, and they shredded this LSU, Dave in the lead defense uh, there, but this is a different LSU team. Got some big wins on the schedule so far this year against Miami and against Auburn. Uh, so you know this Florida's going to have the work cut out for them here. Uh, you know Burrow not the best. I mean him and Frank's pretty pretty similar so far this year. Frank's has got some more touchdown passes to go behind his name, uh, but Burrow's got I think you know little you know, Miami beating LSU, beating Auburn or beating Miami, beating Auburn on that resume to the schedule. He had a great fourth quarter against Auburn uh, there to, to get that victory. Uh, I don't think they have the running game still that they'd like to have or, or the, the running game that we know LSU to have, uh, but that defense will be definitely the biggest test uh, so far for Felipe Franks this year. Yeah, you know, I, I think I, I think people are going to look at what I've written and say that's why I think this is a referendum on Franks and Burrow. I, I don't think that's true. I think it's a referendum on Franks and Burrow because these two teams look so close from a mm-hmm. statistical profile. So Florida's averaged 31 points per game. LSU's averaged 34 and a half. Florida's given up 16. LSU's given up 18.8. Even on a yards per play basis, Florida's averaged 6.1. LSU's averaged 5.6. Florida's given up 4.7. LSU's given up 4.9. So you know, they're basically equivalent from a statistical profile when you look at them side by side. Now, obviously, you mentioned the wins. I mean, so Miami and Auburn on the road. I mean, the Miami was a neutral site game, but Auburn was on the road. Um, you know, those are two probably, uh, I would say Auburn's probably a top 10 team. Miami's probably a top 15 team. Um, unless you think Kentucky is at the level of Auburn or Miami, um, Florida hasn't really cha- hasn't really faced a team at that level. I will um, say before you go for that. I may put Kentucky up there with those teams. Hey, that, I mean, that's fine. It, it, and I think that's kind of what we might end up learning this weekend is whether Kentucky really is that good, right? I yeah. mean, uh, Kentucky's been taking all, been taking down everybody <laughs> that they played. And to be honest, Florida has played them probably the best out of the yeah. last three teams they played. Yep. So, um, you know, may, maybe they're a lot better than we think and, and, and we'll see, or than we thought early in the year. And we'll see. I, I, I'm going to bet that Miami and Auburn are better, though. So if you say that, you're like, okay, Franks and Burrow have basically put up equivalent numbers against 
you know, Frank's has had a little bit easier schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I get, I think this is where the game really comes down to I mean, The game's going to come down to Frank's versus Burrow. Yep. And if LSU's defense, you know, we already mentioned the defensive backs, you got greedy Williams, you got Delpit back there on the back end. Um, you've got Fulton who's, who's back. I mean, they got real talent on the backside of that defense and, you know, Devin wonder, and yeah. Well, you, you know, you wonder whether they're going to be able to bait Franks into some stuff. One thing mm-hmm. I haven't seen thus far that I saw last year a few times is that Franks would get Franks would struggle when the defense changed its look after the snap. I haven't seen that a whole lot. I wonder whether LSU is going to do that. And then can Franks adjust? Cause when you do, when you do change post snap, usually it means you're a little bit out of position. And so a quarterback who can read it quickly can take advantage of it. But a quarterback who doesn't read it right usually ends up throwing a pick. So, so we'll we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. I, I do think Iran is going to throw a few things at him that he hasn't seen. Um, but again, you know, we'll see. Florida's defense is playing so well. Um, there aren't necessarily a ton of weapons on LSU's offense. That's been one of the things that you know Burrow's sort of been limited by his weapons. I think if he had if he had Florida's weapons, he'd probably be playing a lot better. Um, he hasn't played as well as I thought he would, but he has made some plays that have been really instrumental to them winning. Certainly the long pass against against Auburn that that brought him within brought him within two. And then the field goal drive that he led, though there were a couple of pass interference calls on that one that that aided it. But to me the thing that sort of stands out is against Miami in that opening game, he made an audible that opened up a running a running play that went for a touchdown and sort of took LSU or gave LSU control of the game. That was a check that he made at the line of scrimmage. The coaches give him the freedom to do that. And so, you know, that's that's a referendum, I think, on their level of trust with Burrow, giving him the ability to do that. So, you know, I really think when you look at this, the game's going to come down to Franks versus Burrow. Whoever mm-hmm. plays better, it's probably not rocket science to say whichever quarterback plays better, <laughs> the team's going to win the game. But, you know, when you when you factor in the the fact that Burrow um, – Burroughs played pretty well on the road a couple of times this far. Um, I don't think he's necessarily going to be intimidated coming in. And so it's going to be up to Florida's defense again, I think, to step up and try to shut him down. Yeah, they're coming off of a uh, blowout 45-16 win over Ole Miss. Uh, It was a dangerous game maybe if you think – but this Ole Miss defense or offense, when they've placed – well, they've played some pretty good defenses. Has hasn't really done much this year. Uh, so, but you know, Burrow had did have his best game: eighteen to twenty-five, two hundred ninety-two yards, uh, three scores. Led team with ninety-six rushing yards. You know, don't get me wrong; I don't think he's some big runner here. So, uh, th- those ninety-six rushing yards versus Ole Miss don't really worry me too much. It, more, mainly, just maybe like escaping pressure and, and getting a couple yards here and there. But I, I don't think he's going to be sitting here running the ball a good bit uh, versus Florida. But the defense, as I mentioned, it really held that old, uh, Ole Miss offense down uh, there. So, you know, five and zero LSU team is going to be a uh, big time atmosphere here. Maybe we get a, a you know kind of a two thousand eight replay since that team would be here uh and get that scenario blowout win here but i uh, all in all looking at this game will it may look a whole lot like the uh the florida mississippi state game this past week a pretty low scoring affair maybe i mean we'll, we'll see i i think one of the things that um so last year's florida defense struggled against the pass this year's florida def- florida defense is young and pretty thin on the backside they haven't played anybody yet who's been able to take advantage of that except for except for wilson i mean wilson hit a couple of deep throws over the safety um, you know, you look at Mississippi State, that's not what Fitzgerald's going to try to do. You look at Tennessee, they couldn't protect Guarantano enough to where he was able to hit a bunch of them, though he did have some guys running open to, on the back end. Um, you know, that to me is going to be the key is can Burrow hit two or three big plays down the field against Florida's defensive backs? If he does that, then LSU is probably going to win the game. If he can't do that, if Florida can prevent that, um, then I think Florida has a 
I think Florida is, is going to win the game there. I, I really do think this, this game probably boils down to are Florida's defensive backs going to be able to hold up against a, a, a team that wants to go downfield considerably more mm-hmm. than the opponents that Florida's played thus far, you know, and, and then the question is, is Burrow good enough to execute? And, and we'll see. Yeah, one thing when I meant to bring this up too, you know, talking about the Mississippi State game, but you know, kind of going into this game too, and going back and looking at the last two games is six turnovers against Tennessee, you find a way to win a game that way. No turnovers against Mississippi State, you find a way to win a game that way. So at least we have seen in two different scenarios of what this team, what this defense can do in getting turnovers and using that to your advantage, but then not being able to count on getting them and still coming out with a victory. Yeah, very much so. I mean, it's been interesting, too, because they have improved in one facet of the game every time I've watched. So, you know, you, the, the special teams get better in the Colorado State game. I mean, they've, they've, the special teams were good in the opener um, and, and then and then not so good against Kentucky. Right. I mean, you know, just sort of average against Kentucky, I guess. They're really good against Colorado State. That was clearly an area of emphasis. Um you know, the, the defense, particularly in, you know, moving Joseph out to cover the tight end and really isolating him and, and focusing on stopping the run against against Tennessee was very, very much improved. And then in this game, um, and, and really the efficiency of Franks going downfield considerably more against Tennessee was something that improved. And then in this game, they went to that short screen game, like you mentioned, and the defense really focused on um, on containing the quarterback and they improved in this game at that. So th- the question I have is what's that next wrinkle? Mm-hmm. What's that next area where they're going to improve over the next week? And, and, and I'm interested to see what they're going to do because Florida's getting better each and every week. And the question is just, are they going to be able to get better quick enough when they get into the meat of their schedule? And, and it's here. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, the next, the, three, the next three weeks is the heart of the schedule, man. If they can come through this two and one, it's a, uh, it's a really impressive run. And, and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be really impressed with what Mullins put together. Yeah, a few minutes here, Will, and I think you know, just it, it just popped in my head. I guess the next step for this team, you know, is to get a big win. Don't get me wrong, you know, and this would be a big win, but get a big win and play well at home. You know, it's we had the disappointing Kentucky loss uh, the, this year, but it's been a while since at home that the Gators have had a big win. And you, I, w- I went back and mentioned how big that LSU win was in 2016, and that that's the the best I this Mississippi State game was the best I felt since then. Well, both of those were road games. And so maybe the next step is taking back the Swamp and getting a big victory at home when you have a ton of recruits coming in, when you have the fan base rearing and ready to go, is getting a big win at home and, and letting the fans leave the Swamp You know, with you know, chanting, it's great to be a Florida Gator, 90,000 strong. Yeah, well, this sets up, I think, a lot like the 2015 Old Miss game. Yeah, right. You know, that game, the roof was coming off after they just blew the doors off Old Miss. That was a really good Old Miss team that came in there, and Greer just lit them up. I mean, they you know hitting big plays all over the place, and by the time the first half was over, that game was done, and and Florida absolutely dominated, and it really felt like McIlwain was building something. And so, if that happens, then we need to have someone make sure that Franks doesn't go to a GNC, and <laughs> and, and and you know sort of. But you know that's kind of what it's setting up for if yeah. Florida can play well. I mean, if they can deliver a you know whatever twenty-eight to ten win or something like that, where there's big plays all over the place and Franks looks like a rock star and and they can run the ball at will and LSU can't move the ball. I mean, then you, I mean it really does change. And you know we we talked earlier about how LSU is the fulcrum point for the season. I mean, you know if they blow the doors off LSU, that really does change what you think about the team going forward. I mean, it's a nice win on the road at Mississippi State. It's a nice win on the road against Tennessee. It's a statement win 
to blow up, you know, blow out LSU at home, really just to beat LSU at home. But it, it's a statement win to take a top five team and, and beat them and put you to a point where you go, okay, well, now this is a team that can threaten Georgia. Yeah. And now this is a team that should handle Florida State pretty easily. And you start looking at that and go, okay, well, you know, what does that really mean in terms of the quality of the team going forward? So we're going to learn a lot about about Florida's team in this game. I think we're going to learn a lot about where they need to improve, and we'll probably learn a lot about where they have already improved. And that's one of the nice parts about going against a team that's really, really good is that you learn a lot about yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. There. Uh, well, what you got coming up, readingreaction.com this week. Uh, I'm sure LSU preview uh, coming up later this week. Yeah, so um, I've got a new writer who's going to have something coming out tomorrow. Oh. Okay. Um, and so we'll, we'll, we'll tease that on Twitter and you can t check out her stuff when it comes out. I'm really excited to see what she comes up with. And then, uh, and then I've got, uh, an LSU preview and, uh, probably a little bit of a Burrow versus Frank's breakdown too. Cause some people have been asking for that. So, <laughs> so we'll put it out there at least and sort of, Hey, how have they done thus far? And, uh, what does that mean for the game? Cool. Cool deal. Cool deal. Will anything else, man? No, nah, man, just thanks to everybody for giving me crap about picking, about picking Mississippi State. And uh, I've, I've had my brother-in-law and my brother both text me right after the game telling me that I have to uh, continue to pick against Florida so that uh, so that they keep winning. So, uh, you know, we'll see. I'm always going to go where the stats take me. But, uh, you know, sometimes they're, sometimes they're wrong, and no one's more happy to, that I'm wrong on the last two than I am, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, these last two weeks have been fun there, so, uh, you know. People just just remember, let, let's have fun out there. That's that's really all it's about, and uh, a lot more fun when the Gators are winning. Will oh, it's all a good time. Nobody's been nobody's been too mean to me yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's it's all a good fun, and to be honest, it's it's way more fun to write the recaps, even if I'm wrong. After Florida's been successful and Florida's moving in the right direction, you know that that's the thing. Is you look at this stuff and say, I mean, one of the things I think we need to we need to recognize is how good of a job Mullen's doing. Yeah. Because when you look at the statistical profiles, you go, huh, well, Mississippi State should probably win this game. And, you know, it didn't happen, which is all the credit to Mullen and the players for being able to go into a hostile environment and pull out that win. And, you know, hopefully they can do it again this weekend. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it should be a fun time uh, in the swamp coming up against uh, LSU. So that's Will Miles. You can find him on Twitter at Will Miles SCC. And once again, his site, readandreaction.com. I'm your host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore S-E-C. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.